turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Sometimes you go from a season of maybe success or prosperity or, or great blessing or abundance and things contract or things, uh, things decline, where things aren't as great as they were before. And those seasons of life can be very challenging to us. And how do we handle that? How do we navigate that? How do we respond in those seasons? How do you respond when you find yourself in a spiritual desert? Do you grow bitter and long for the abundance you used to have? Wondering why God would lead you into such a hard place? Or do you lean into your faith even more? As Pastor Dan will encourage us in today's message, instead of being stuck, longing for the past... Remember God's goodness to you in those times and trust that He can bring good out of those challenging circumstances. Those trials are a great opportunity to grow more steadfast in your faith. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 3 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. your Bible up to the Gospel of John chapter 3 this morning as we continue our study in the Gospel of John, John chapter 3. We left off last Sunday in verse 22, where it says, After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John, that's John the Baptist, also was baptizing in Ainan, Ainon, near Salim, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. And then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews, that would be the Jewish religious leaders, about purification. And they came to John the Baptist and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, He is baptizing, and all are coming to him. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all, and he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. 
he who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the spirit by measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Well, John the Baptist comes back into the story now in chapter three. And John's ministry has changed. His ministry has changed. Uh, If you remember, uh, John uh, was sent by God to be the forerunner of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to prepare the people for the Messiah to come so that they can get themselves ready so they could get right uh, for when the Messiah comes. And John preached in the Judean wilderness at the Jordan River, uh, and he called people to repentance. And if you remember, multitudes of people came out to John to hear him preach at the Jordan, out in the the desert, out in the wilderness. And people from every strata of society, there were even Roman soldiers and tax collectors that were coming out to John. Uh, People were repenting. People were coming from all over the area, coming from Jerusalem and Judea and beyond. And they repented and they were baptized by John. And remember, uh, John is is the, the, the first prophet to come on the scene In over 400 years, there's these 400 years where God doesn't send a prophet. Then all all of a sudden, John the Baptist bursts on the scene. He's got this huge ministry, thousands of people coming out. God's doing this amazing work. People are repenting. People are getting right with God. They're getting baptized. But now his ministry changes. Now his ministry changes. And the huge crowds of people are no longer coming out to hear John. They've deserted John to follow Jesus. Now everybody's going to hear Jesus. And so John's ministry at this point is changing. It's, uh, it's contracting in size and prominence. Uh, from a strictly human point of view, uh, we would say his ministry is declining. Right? And, and our human nature is to measure success by size, right? And so before he had thousands of people and big crowds, that's success. Now the crowds are dwindling. And again, just from a human perspective, we would say things are on the decline. Uh, The crowds aren't coming out. Uh, John is no longer ascending up the ladder. He's going down the ladder. And and things are uh, not as they once were for John. And, And John's own disciples here question John about this decline. And the fact that the crowds aren't coming to him anymore. Now they're all going to Jesus. And, and it's as if they're, they're saying to John, well, John, what's up? Like, what are you going to do? And, you know, I think, think for us, I think John gives us a great example of how to handle change that uh, is negative change, again, from a human point of view. Uh, because I don't know if you've realized this or not, but sometimes in life, change comes, right? <laughs> you go through different seasons. And sometimes you go from a season of maybe success or prosperity, or, or great blessing, or abundance, and things contract, or things, uh, things decline, where things aren't as great as they were before. 
And those seasons of life can be very challenging to us. And you know, how do we handle that? How do we navigate that? How do we respond in those seasons? Uh, you know, it's easy in those seasons to get discouraged. Uh, it's easy for us in those seasons to, to long for the good old days and end up living our lives just looking back and living in the past, back, when, back then when things were so great. Right. When we had the leeks and the onions back in Egypt, we could just go back there and we can kind of end up living in in the past. We could get bitter. We could get jealous or envious of someone else's success. Someone else that is surpassing us, who, who has it better than us. And I want you to see here John's response. I want you to see how John handled this change that came into his life and his ministry where he was just months ago, he was the only game in town. He was the biggest thing to happen in 400 years. And now no one's coming out anymore. All of that's just disappearing before him. And I want you to see how John handles that kind of change because John the Baptist is a human. He's got the human nature just like you and I. And I want you to see how John responds to that. But first of all, we need to get some context here. So look at verse 22 again. Verse 22 begins by saying, after these things, after what things? After Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Passover feast, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. And there he remained with them and baptized. So after the Passover feast ends in Jerusalem, Jesus goes out with his disciples into uh, the Judean countryside, the area surrounding Jerusalem. You have a map in the back of your Bible. You might want to take a look at that if you don't know where Judea is. Uh, His disciples, they leave Jerusalem. They don't immediately go home to Galilee. They stay there in Judea. And we're told that they're there in Judea and they're baptizing. So Jesus now begins a baptism ministry Similar to John the Baptist. He's baptizing people. If you look over in chapter 4, verse 1, we're told, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples. So we're told there in chapter 4 that Jesus himself didn't actually baptize people. It was his disciples who baptized people you know, under his authority as his ambassadors, they're baptizing uh, people. But notice again in chapter 4, verse 1, it says that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John the Baptist. So Jesus had more people, more notoriety, more publicity, bigger crowds. Jesus' ministry eclipsed John the Baptist's ministry. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. 
Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. And in verse 23, it says, Now John also was baptizing in Ainon near Salem, Salim, because, here's why, there was much water there. Very practical reason. And they came and were baptizing. Uh, John originally was baptizing in the Jordan River in an area uh, just north of the Dead Sea, near the city of Jericho. But now we're told he, he leaves that area and he goes to a place called Ainon, uh, which is north on the Jordan River, near the Sea of Galilee, just below the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and we're told he goes there because there's much water there. Uh, during the dry season, during droughts, the water level of the Jordan River would get quite low. It would get shallow. Uh, and uh, Jew, the Jewish people, including John the Baptist, uh, they baptized by immersion, not sprinkling. So they needed a lot of water. They needed it to be deep enough that you could dunk somebody in it. So apparently the Jordan River gets low. So he goes up to Ainon because there's a lot of water there. The word Ainon means the place of springs. So there's springs of water there. The water's deep enough there for John to continue uh, baptizing people. Uh, and, and one thing that we should note about John here right up front, we should note that even though his ministry is, is shrinking numerically, John faithfully persevered in the work that God had given him. John faithfully persevered in the work that God had given him. It would have been very easy for John to just quit at this point. It would have been very easy for John to justify quitting at this point. He no longer has huge crowds of people coming out to hear him preach. He no longer has huge crowds of people coming out uh, to be baptized. Besides that, the Jordan River is drying up. <laughs> There's not enough water to baptize people. And so you could, you could see where John could say, hey, people aren't coming out. Water's too shallow. You know, we might as well quit and go home at this point. Uh, you can't have a baptism ministry without people and without water. John's losing both of them here. Uh, and so he could at this point, very, you know, just say, hey, obviously God's closing this door. Uh, because the people aren't coming and there's no water for us to baptize. So I think I'm just going to call it quits here. And I'm going to go do something else. You know, again, what we see, though, is John stayed faithful to his calling. Even though things are changing and they're not as, as big and great and noteworthy as they were before. And even though the Jordan River is drying up on him, he stays faithful to it. Now, it's human nature is funny. You know, you, you can you can get a, like a dream job, right? And you man, the Lord got me this job. I can't believe the Lord gave me this job. It's the greatest job ever. And then after a few years, it gets hard. And what do you say? I don't think the Lord wants me working here anymore. <laughs> right? I think the Lord's closing this door. And he wants me to move to North Dakota for this other job. This is the door he's opening. Right? Isn't that how we, how we are? And John could have been that way here. Hey, the people aren't coming out. Water's too shallow. I think the Lord's closing this door. But no, he persevered. He just stayed faithful to what God called him to. You know what he did? He just went and found more water somewhere. He didn't quit. He's, he's still called to this. He's still called to this. 
Even when things get tough, he stayed the course. He stayed the course. He didn't quit. You know, in, um, in Galatians, I'll just read it to you, but in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't lose heart just because things get tough or difficult or things start to dry up. Stay the course. Stay the course. Be faithful to do whatever God has given you to do, especially in the hard times, especially in the dry season, especially when it's difficult to do what God's called you to do. Don't leave what God's called you to do unless God has specifically called you to go do something else. Just because things get hard doesn't mean God is closing that door. You know why? Because life's hard. It's just hard sometimes. So difficulty does not equal God's closing a door. It just means it's difficult. Just life, right? That's life. (laughs) You can't deny it, right? Frank Sinatra's song, you guys know that song? That's life, right? (laughs) Verse 25 says, Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews, the Jewish religious leaders, leaders of the Jews, about purification. Purification was through immersion in water, what John's doing in the Jordan River. Uh, And so this dispute arises between John's disciples and the leaders of the Jews about purification. And, And it doesn't tell us what the dispute was, but it's probably over methodology. The fact that John is doing this in the Jordan River. Uh, And so this debate happens here about this. There's always people, listen, there's always people who like to major in the minors. There's always people in the church world that like to major in the minors, that like to argue about methodology. Uh, Don't be one of those people. Be a Jesus person. Be a person who just talks about Jesus, not a person who debates and argues about differences and methodology. Verse 26 says, and they, and this, this, this they here seems to be John's disciples. Some commentators believe it's referring to the Jewish religious leaders, but most of them agree that it's John's disciples. And they, his disciples, his own disciples, came to John and said to him, Rabbi, teacher, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, speaking of Jesus, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. <laughs> you, you, can, you can hear the despair and their voices. Now Jesus has a baptism ministry. And the crowds are all going to him. No one's coming to hear you anymore. They're all going to Jesus. What are you going to do, John? What are you going to do about it? And again, there, there may be the temptation to feel discouraged. There may be the temptation to be jealous or envious of the success of another person. Uh, There may be a sense of competitiveness. There may be a sense of territorialism that rises up in the heart. Believe it or not, uh, people in ministry can be competitive and jealous. I know it may sound come as a shock to you uh, that pastors and ministers are human beings with a human nature, and they can be competitive too. They can be jealous as well. They can be territorial. Uh, when, we, when we first moved here, before we even started, we had zero people attending the church. An area pastor called me 
What are you doing? Why are you moving here? Why are you starting a church? We don't need another church here. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, I remember thinking, there's 4 million people that live in the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area. How big of an impact are you really having on this area, right? I mean, with all the churches combined, are we really making a dent in 4 million people? I think we could use a couple more churches, but he had a different opinion. People can be territorial, competitive. You know, you think about the apostles, and on more than one occasion, the apostles argued over which one among them was the greatest apostle. As they're with Jesus, they're arguing, who among us is the greatest? I think I'm the greatest. Jesus is there, and I think I'm the greatest. No, I think I'm the greatest. I think I'm greater than you. I think I'm greater than you. And they get in this big argument over who is the greatest apostle. Uh, someone has said that that argument among the apostles was the first pastor's conference in church history. There's some truth to that. You know, the apostle Paul, while he was in prison, while he was in prison, he wrote, uh, and you don't, you don't have to turn there, but he wrote to the Philippians chapter one, verse 15. Listen to what he says. He says, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife And some also from goodwill, the former preach Christ for selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The Apostle Paul says there that there are some that were preaching Christ out of envy and strife that were actually hoping to add to Paul's suffering by their preaching. There there can be competitiveness. And ministry among God's people. There, there certainly can be competitiveness in the workplace. You know, striving for jobs, striving for a raise or striving for a, a higher position within the company. And there can be a competition. There can be jealousy. There can be envy in the workplace. I've been working here longer than he has. Why didn't I get the promotion? There can be competitiveness within a family among siblings. Jealousy among siblings. There can even be competitiveness in a marriage between a husband and wife where it's a competition. You know, who's doing more? Who's doing less? And, and they're kind of jealous of each other in the marriage. I want you to see John's response to all of this. Look in your Bible again. Look at verse 27. John's response here, I want you to notice, first of all, that he responds with a proper theology. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan Sexton today to study the book of 1 John on Ring of Truth. This New Testament letter encourages its readers to grow in faith, to set aside personal agendas, and unite in a pursuit of God's plans. The author wants those who follow Christ to experience Him fully as well as experience the beautiful gift of a church community. Having a body of believers around you to support and encourage you in your personal walk with Christ is important. You'll also find that a body of believers is somewhere you can be Jesus' hands and feet to others. Are you part of a church? If not, we want to encourage you to find one soon. If you're in the Baltimore, Washington area, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just a few minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. 
You can find out more at our website, calvaryec.com. You can also give us a call for more information. Our phone number is 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're honored to be able to share God's Word with you through each edition of Ring of Truth. If you'd like to listen to additional teachings from this series, you'll find them at calvaryec.com. That's all for now. Join us next time for more on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize